Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that gets you inside NRG Stadium. I'm Mark Vandermeer, joined by John Harris tonight as we get you going. By the way, tomorrow night, 24 hours from now, we will be at Fuddruckers, Wesleyan and 59. It'll be fun. Great show with Cecil Shorts joining us. DP Sidhu and Drew Doherty will be there, the regular Tuesday night crew, and we'll have Cecil on hand. It's a one-hour show, so we'll stay a little extra time to uh, say hello to some people, some of our regulars who get there, and we encourage you to come on by Fuddruckers 59 and Wesleyan. That's Tuesday night, 6 o'clock with Cecil Shorts. Okay, Johnny, here we go. As yesterday was a monumental day in sports, congrats to the Rockets for winning their opening playoff game with their first round series with the Jazz. Of course, the Astros looking good. Uh, They've won a billion games in a row. It's early. And Tiger Woods with the great story. I mean, what a story. And I was thinking about this. I don't know what your take is. You know, how can I tie this into football? I don't even have to try. There's no other sport like this. There's no other sport where you can be 43 years old except maybe Tom Brady could do it eventually, but come back did from what 41. he came... Yeah, I know. He just did it. He just did it, didn't he? <laughs> he did. I know. I was, I was going to go he all high and it. mighty on golf being the only sport where you can do this, but it's true. I mean, 41 years old, he wins a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Who's to say he can't do it when he's 43? But the story of Tiger, though, in yeah. this sport, in, in what he's meant to the game, coming out of not nowhere, but coming out of the darkness of a decade without a major and winning not just – I always thought, and I've said this, I was on the record saying this, that I thought he could at least win a British. When people say, well, Tiger win another major ever, and I thought, well, I think it's going to be tough, but I think he can at least win a British because the British yeah. is the one that, you know, as an older guy you can win and you see Ernie Els win one. You saw Tom Watson could have yeah, won a should have won yeah. one at 59. He came in second, lost in a playoff to Stuart Sink. But I thought, yeah, British, sure, why not? But to win the Masters, that's incredible. Congratulations to him. I was riveted. I'm sure you were too. I was. I was up early on Sunday. You know, it was sort of speaking of the British, it was sort of the uh, the yeah. British Open kind of timing. Breakfast at Augusta. They moved it up because of weather that apparently was coming into Augusta, so they wanted to make sure they got it in. And so guys started, I think, at 7.30 in the morning. And I think Tiger got on the course. He was in the last threesome. So they moved from twosomes to threesomes. And then they uh, moved it up. To uh, they, I think they teed off at like nine, yeah, something nine like that. central, like maybe ten east or something like that. And uh, you couldn't, you couldn't pull yourself away from it. I, I tried. You just, you I just had all these couldn't. plans. I, I was going to do all these honeydews. I was going to be in the backyard working on my yard and everything. Nope, couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. I mean, you, you had to see what was going to happen. Had both next. boys on my lap. Both boys. Uh, I mean, for like forty-five minutes. The last forty-five minutes, they were just glued as as I was. Think about it this way. Neither one of them was born the last time Tiger won a Masters. No, it's it's a great point. I That's mean, crazy you're, to think you're about. Right. Luke was born in 2006, and you know he t- 2009 was the last major. I mean, he L- Luke knows Tiger Woods, and he had the right. video game for yeah. a while and everything. But this, it really, I mean, he was so locked in. You know, he's a big sports fan, obviously. He was so locked in to see it through his eyes was really interesting. I, I'm I'm glad you pointed that that out and. I just think we are all in the same situation, you know, just locked in. I saw a lot of people tweet this, and, and at the time I didn't, I didn't think it was true. And then I just thought about that when you said that. A lot of people tweeted, "Hey, this is, this is what it was like following Nicholas in '86." Because, and and at, mm. at the at the time I thought, no, 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 no. The way Tiger's playing, this is more like when he was in his groove in the early 2000s because he it was close, and then he just said. Guys, I'm done with y'all. I'm taking off. 
it felt more like that. But just the experience of watching him, it, it really kind of sunk in when you said that because I was 14 when Jack won in 86. Yeah. And I just remember the shock of everybody that this man just won this at 46 years old and he hadn't won a Masters, I think, in 11 years. I think 75 had been the last one. And he had been in contention for some of them, but he had really kind of fallen out of contention. I just remember watching it and then him sinking that putt on 18. I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. You know, this old guy ended up winning the Masters. Like, wow, this is awesome. And then I became that aged old guy and it was like, well, that was still was pretty cool that he won the Masters. And then watching it, I can imagine kind of Luke watching it going, hey, I've heard of Tiger Woods. Yeah. I've known of Tiger Woods, but I've never seen him play like that. That was kind of like it was watching Jack. I had heard of him. You knew of him. You had his golf clubs, the Golden Bear golf clubs. You had those, but you'd never seen him play like Jack Nicklaus. Yeah. That's what it was like in 86, and that's probably what it was like for Luke watching yesterday. Well, it's another thing how age is not the same as it was then, things have changed. Athletes mm-hmm. are bigger, stronger, faster. True. I mean, Tiger Woods looks like he's 22 years old in the prime of his life, physically. I mean, I'm sure yeah. he doesn't feel that way in fusion surgery and everything. <laughs> right. And when he takes the hat off, you can tell there's right. some tread on the tire or tread off the tire there. But the thing is, physically, just visually, he looks incredible. And yep. a lot of these guys do. A lot of these older guys. Look, Mickelson has never been an Adonis physically, at least you know the way he looks at his golf attire. But... Right. Mickelson is 49 years old this June, and he's still a contender for sure. This was unthinkable in the Nicholas era. And and that's why, and you have this in football too. Brady, who's going to be 42 years old when the Texans play him here at NRG Stadium this fall. You know, we're not thinking that, oh, he's going to be too old to do anything. No, we're thinking it's terrifying Tom Brady. We still fear him. Yes. We still fear him Mm -hmm. walking on the field. You do. I think that's the one thing with Brady. Brady never lost that. Yeah, for the most part. And I know some people each year, you know, 2014, everybody wanted to put Brady in his grave. Well, they're dead, and then he was fantastic. They won a championship. You know, 2016, they didn't do that. 2018, they tried to. It was like, no, well, no, we're just going to go win a championship. His brain has a lot to do with it, uh, there's too, no right? question. That, that he's so good right no, now. No, no question. I, absolutely. Same thing with Tiger, right? They talked about that. On 12, you don't go for the flag. You hit it on the green anywhere you can. You, you yep. go ahead and, you know, you take a birdie, of course, if you can get it, but take a par here. Don't hit it in the water. Right. 12 was the one where I went, oh, he's got him. He's got him. Now we just got to watch this out. That's why I felt like, okay, he's got him. Now, I feel like maybe somebody could sneak in there at some point to kind of get in contention. Maybe that wasn't his threesome, but I, I thought Kepka. I thought Kepka. I thought had maybe, it. yeah. Brooks, because he played really well in majors, but I just felt like when he got to 12, I was like, that's the, that's the moment. The other thing I thought was compelling about that, Mark, and I, and I guess maybe it's this way about, about Brady, and I, and I thought about this actually at the Greenbrier a couple of years ago, but these guys that are playing now, Tiger was their childhood. Yeah, They grew up watching Tiger thinking, yeah, I want to be like Tiger one day. He's an inspiration to them. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, These guys grew in the game and grew up in the game that Tiger dominated. Like They wanted to be Tiger. Like That's the guy they wanted to be, and now they're in contention with him for championships. I mean, that's got to be in some ways kind of weird and compelling at the same time. And I thought about that yesterday because – and I thought about Brady because I remember being at the Greenbrier in 17. And I just – I'll never forget. I was standing there and I was doing an interview with somebody and Brady went off to the side field and I'm guessing it was with Alex Guerrero. Mm-hmm. And he had his um, – you know, those bands. He had the long band that pulls you back. 
So yeah. Brady was running 40s and Guerrero was pulling back on him. And then he did. He had the, the band around his two legs. And he just did this. He, he, had, was like he, was hold, he was holding the ball and he was like in a passing stance. And he was like sliding, sliding, yeah, sliding, sliding. I saw that. And so I'm like compelled. I'm just like I can't get enough just watching him. And I'm, and I'm supposed to be doing an interview. And I look over. And there's Deshaun just staring at him, just like flicking the ball in his hands, like staring at him, just watching. And I don't know that Tom Brady was a guy that Deshaun watched or admired growing up, right. but he was a guy that was definitely playing. I would imagine well, how that. how about Watson's five years old when Brady wins his first Super Bowl? Something like that. Yeah, so Deshaun grew up with Tom Brady as the preeminent yep. quarterback, and now he's getting the opportunity to face him on really an annual basis. And hopefully at some point – He'll get to the point where, where he'll knock him off. Enough yeah. of the old guys winning. It's time for the young blood, at least in Tom Brady's case. I think the mental part of it is so interesting when you look at Tiger's experience because what did they all say about Tiger when he came onto the scene? He was just physically better than everybody else. Right. And mentally, too. Right. But he could hit it so much farther than everybody. They changed the game. They changed right. the course because of Tiger at Augusta National. All courses. He started a boom in terms of building more. You know, I don't I can't say Brady is Tiger Woods of football. I can't say that. But the run that Brady's been on is incredible. And Brady went a decade between championships too. Yeah, true. Uh, I saw I saw the stats flashed up there, you know, recently you look you look at Chris Chelios in the NHL and he went 16 years between titles. They go back to Roberto Clemente back in the yeah. 70s. He went like 11 or nine, whatever yeah. it was, almost that was a 11, decade or so. 1960 to 1971. Yeah. How about that? Okay, good pull, Johnny. Trust me, there's a lot of really useless knowledge. That, just I, wasted up I here. mean, a lot of people are thinking. My old school baseball knowledge is like top notch, like 60s and 70s knowledge. It's a sports station, so people know. Unlike me this morning in our staff meeting talking about Gilligan's Island and they, when they <laughs> changed the intro to the show, and I'm thinking, what am I doing here? I'm with millennials and Gen Zers, and I'm saying, you know, at first the professor and Marianne weren't part of the intro song, okay? Yeah. They weren't, and then they added them later. And the professor and Mary and and you have to be over fifty to understand what I'm saying. Okay, that's all. Oh, uh, explain explain Gilligan's Island to people now. It's like, well, wait a second. So they ended up on an island. What did they play Survivor? Did they not? Well, did they not like of, vote people but, off the island? But for some reason, the Howells ended up with all their riches and she had furs and jewelry and trunks of stuff. I don't know. They were in a three-hour boat ride. They figured they needed this stuff. Killing his islands. Think about some of the, think about some of the shows we watched in the 60s and 70s. I Dream of like, Genie was the best. Oh, yeah. It was whoa. the best. Yeah, I Dream of Genie was very, very good. I Bewitched. loved her. I loved her and I didn't even know why. I mean, I was like eight years old. My mother said, oh, you have a crush on Genie. I said, what? I did. It was subconscious, yeah. or maybe not so much. Who knows? Well, I mean, yeah. I just wanted to live in that bottle. That's all I knew. Well, who didn't want to live in the bottle? I don't. Major Nelson, he didn't want to live in the bottle. He preferred to be an astronaut. I said, well, well, forget about space exploration. I'm living in this bottle. See, how do you explain to somebody, Larry Hagman, I dream of Jeannie Larry Hagman, and J.R. Dallas. Yes. J.R. Ewing, like two totally different. Which, which, when you're not from here, and I'm not, but I got here as fast as I could, when you think of Texas, you think of that. You Absolutely. think of J.R. Ewing and South Fork. and every, In fact, whenever one of my friends says, yeah, I live out in Richmond, Rosenberg, and they have a little bit of land, I say, oh, South Fork. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I read an article on Texas Monthly that was about, it was an oral history of the show Dallas. So good. The people of Dallas at first hated the show because they're like, that's Houston. You're showing them oh, Houston. Oh, 
And then it just got to be so big, they're kind of like, well, you know, what can we do? Might as well take it up. Well, yeah, because it's a a fascinating read. The show and the Cowboys changed the image of that city now. No, it had to. It really did. Because of the Kennedy assassination and it had a bad rap. Absolutely. I don't know. We're we're really off topic here, but we wanted to bring up what happened yesterday. It, you know, right away, people were talking about Muhammad Ali and some of the great comebacks in the history of sports. George Foreman. He won a he won a championship in '94 against Michael Moore. Yeah, the George Foreman older guy fights. Interesting. I mean, they really were inspirational in a way. I mean, I was too young to be inspired in yeah. the in the way that you would if you were older and think, well, yeah, older guys can do stuff. But I I look at those the the memory of those is. It's not quite freak show because I give him a lot of credit for coming back and doing what he did. I'm also very impressed with the hamburger maker because I think, man, when you do something oh, like yeah. that, it's huge. Well, yeah, um, you know, he does live in town. He could be listening to you not talk nice. I know about that's. It. No, I'm not saying anything bad. No, I, but I think in boxing, to me, that's the one sport where I, I could never see. It just doesn't notice how defensive I got. It doesn't compute. Like in golf, I could see a 40 year old winning. Like it, I mean, yeah. Phil being 49. I still think he's in contention. He's forty nine. He feels like he is. It feels like he's in his late thirties. But Foreman came back in his mid forties to fight. Yeah, I know. And then knocked out hard. Michael Moore. I know. And knocked him out. The I filmmaker. Mean, like, no. Bang, bang, bang. Done. Morer, morer. <laughs> Some but, people would like to see the other guy get knocked out. Okay. Next up, we've talked plenty about that. What is going on with the schedule? I will tell you why the schedule takes a while to come out and why they don't have an exact time for it, in my opinion. All right? I think they could change it, but this is just me talking here. Johnny is coming out with his mock draft, and he examined a draft or draft history of a team that we all follow. We talked about them already in this segment, the New England Patriots and how they've done in a certain category. And we've got a bunch of other stuff. The players are back in the building today. We kind of buried the lead. Let's discuss. It's Texans Radio. We are in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio at NRG Stadium in this morning, Johnny. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you, by the way. This morning, we saw it, and you can watch the video on the Texans Twitter feed, on Mm -hmm. Facebook, on Instagram. I don't know if we put it up on the website, but we should. Uh, But it's all there, and it got dozens of thousands of views within two, three hours. Yep. The players coming back into the building. The season, I, I can't overhype it and say the season starts today. But, John, in many ways it does. This yeah. is the start of the nine-week offseason program. And nine weeks will take you into mid-June up until the time where the players have that multi-week break prior to camp. So, to me, it starts today. And I think in the coaches' minds, it does as well. I think it has to when you get your players back after being away for so long. There have been so many changes and I know that happens in college football too, but it never feels like college football stops until that break in the summer because you get you get training camp in July that takes you all the way through the season, then your bowl game takes you up to January, and then some teams are some teams are in spring practice in late February. So it doesn't even feel like it stops in college football. And the players are on campus. Why anyways. do they do it earlier than ever? A lot of these schools. I don't know. I, I don't know. That's a great question. I think some try and time it with their spring break because that kind of falls in different spots yeah. in different places in the country. I don't know. And maybe because they get they can get the seven on seven rolling, and the guys are around. Yeah, the guys pretty much stay See, around. The guys the aren't even allowed to be here throwing the football at certain yeah, times exactly. of year. So but they in literally college, are... you can be out there, and and the coach could be looking from the office window, even though he's not supposed to. Right. I mean, you could do a lot of things in college. Judd Heathcote, Michigan State legendary head coach, Magic Johnson's head coach, 
used to just watch his team work out. You know, they'd play pickup ball. He'd say, hey, I'm watching my team. You know, NCAA, I don't care. I'm over, you know, this is prior to the age of social media. Yeah. I'm not saying they all do that in college, but they have a little bit of uh, leeway in yeah. this way. Yeah, no doubt. So it never feels like the players are actually leaving because they're on campus. They're not leaving. Yeah. Players here are going, I mean, where didn't Deshaun go this offseason? Oh, I'm, I mean, they've I'm, gone I'm all over. I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, before we get anywhere else, first of all, we posted a pick. It was National Dolphin Day. and It was kind of awkward because you have a team in the NFL named that. Right. But he was swimming with dolphins, so it was too good to be true. You know, you had to post a picture of Deshaun Watson swimming with dolphins. And I thought, wait a minute. He was in China on the Great Wall. He was in Germany. He, I think he was in Egypt or something. Yeah, was he standing on pyramids or something? Yeah, and he's on swimming with dolphins. I mean, let's just go Photoshop here. It, or is this Photoshop? Has he been all these places? Last year he went to Germany. I, I thought we had the pictures to prove year. he might have been. I don't he was know. coaching football. He was coaching in China, I think. He was. He was. And then he was in coaching China. in Italy. He's Maybe t- he was in Germany. I don't know. He, I can't being, keep track of him. He's point being, it, it's good to see the players back in the building. I mean, the first person I saw when I walked in was JJ Watt. I was like, okay, good. Good's good. Just it feels good. Just see him. He's been Looks back good. a couple of times. No, he's been he's been the, around. I've, yeah. I've almost oh, he's been run back into more him. than a couple because a bunch of his, his he and his cohorts have been working out here. Yeah, cohorts. He, um, I, I've seen him come out of the weight room a couple of times yeah. as I've been coming to studio or leaving studio. But it was just the first person I happened to to see today as I was as I was walking in. But yeah, it's just good, and it's an interesting time too because you have our players walking around. And then you have draft prospects potentially being here, too. Now, that's yeah. happened in the past sure. where there have been some guys. And I remember it was – I think it was when Deshaun was here. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was. It was when Deshaun was here because on the, it was Deshaun at one table mm-hmm. and it was Cam Robinson of I Alabama at I the other I don't remember table. Robinson being I here, remember really. Robinson clearly – I clearly remember The Watson story is semi-legendary with yes. all the players walking up to him. Yes, absolutely. And, of course, then, he, then Hopkins sat down at the table with him and had yeah. lunch with him. And so you have draft prospects in the building, and then you got our players. And, of course, there are a lot of faces that change. So every now and again you look at a player and you go, wait, is that a draft prospect or is that one of the guys we signed? Wait, that's one of the guys we signed. And sometimes you can't figure it out. You're trying to, I, trying I to, like, I mean, trying to get close by just so you can hear a name like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's Some of these uh, such draft such. prospects, I'm texting John Harris a, a description <laughs> of the individual. Like, who might this guy be? Yeah. Because hmm. I don't want to walk up like, who are you? Yeah. What's your name? What's your name? Do yeah. I know you? I mean, I can always go find out. But I mean, it's also, you want to give them some privacy, too. I mean, some of them stand out because I've, I've seen them at both the Senior Bowl and you see them at the Combine. And you get accustomed to seeing them, then you see them on TV, all that kind of stuff. So it's it's kind of weird when that that happens. But then you see some that you don't know their name. You just, you know their name, but you don't know the face that goes to the name. And you're like, oh, okay, all right, I see, I see, very nice. Um, but I've actually got to know a few of them just having met them at the Senior Bowl and then talked to them at the Combine again and seen them at different points. So it's been kind of cool to do that in the process. But you got all those guys coming in. And then you got the players coming back, and so you've got this kind of you know, this kind of mashup of of all these different types of players. Some may be Texans, some may not, that are in this building, and so it just makes it pretty exciting, makes it pretty cool. But yeah, JJ was the first one I saw as I was walking in. I was like, all right, it's gonna be a good day. So they're able to meet, they're able to work out right now. They go in phases, and I'm not gonna list all of them for you, but they'll be out on the field slinging the rock pretty soon here, within a few weeks. They got to ramp up to that. They're able to go out in the field and do some non-football stuff, workout condition. And I always think of this as training camp. 
the way it used to be. We talk about the six weeks they used to have in the yeah. preseason and everything back in the day. This is what that is. This is where you're installing so much stuff. Yeah. If you, you wait have until training camp to get in shape if you're a player and install everything if you're a coach, it's too late. You only have two weeks before your first preseason game. you got to go. That's why this time of year is so utterly important for these guys. Well, think about it from this standpoint, Mark. Because the, the current CBA does not allow them really to hit and tackle and yeah. do certain physical aspects in practice, really the only true practice that you have in being physical, basically, happens in training camp now. I mean, you do all the installation, like you said. You yeah. have to do it in OTAs, and you have to do it during minicamp. You have to do it during that time. And I think about a guy like Martinez Rankin and how valuable training camp is going to be for him because it really is going to be the first time really, truly, where he's practicing in a physical practice, where he's putting full pads on, and it is, let's, we're going to hit all day, we're going to practice in full pads. Because those three weeks, he basically missed them last year. And then you didn't get much during the season. And now he's turning around, obviously, we'll see what happens when we get a chance to go see the team where he's going to line up. I think it's going to be inside. I think some people think that. We'll see. But he's getting at training camp. When it kicks off, he's going to get the first really the first time in the NFL, the opportunity to be physical in practice. Because that's really where you can start making the changes and really making the adjustments and the improvements that you can then carry over to your game. And I think that's going to mean a lot for a guy like that. A guy that missed all that time at training camp last year, I think it's going to mean a lot for him year two. But we'll obviously see, but I think it's going to be huge. But, but it's really the only time you get to practice hitting, blocking, and tackling. It really is the only time you get to do it. Well, plus you see who's really been working on their game and who hasn't. Now the coaches will see the nuance of this, nuances oh, yeah. of this more than others. You obviously one of these people, but to me, even when you look at guys like Julian Davenport, who last year played his first full season, so meaningful, and who knows how it all works out? Does Khalil beat him out, or does a rookie beat him out, yeah. or whatever, or does he become a swing tackle? I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work, or does he win a starting job because oh my gosh, he's jumped a level right. of play, a caliber has been reached that he hadn't attained before, and now he's ready to be the guy. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but. Things like this do happen in the world of sport. We just saw a 43-year-old guy win the Masters who had a fused neck or whatever. Let's just see how this thing plays out with members of this O-line, with more coaching, with more experience in the offseason, with health, and that's to your point. That is so important. Your best offensive player, I mean, look, some people could say DeAndre Hopkins, but your most important one is the quarterback, and he's healthy this offseason. Your best defensive player is healthy this offseason. They weren't last year. Right. So now they can participate all the way through. You're going to have this up and down the roster, up and down the lineup, uh, much more health going into the year. And I know we talked about this last year, but it's still a theme for this team. So let's get these receivers out there. I know Fuller is probably going to be slower to get out there than others, but uh, this is going to be good to have everybody work on the timing, work on the knowledge, work on all of it. So MMQB put together a um, – they put together. They started with quarterbacks, yep. and they essentially ranked the the situation at quarterback. So it's not just your starter; it's your backup. It's the depth. It's the whole right, picture. The whole thing. So they they started with quarterback, and I guess they got a bunch of clicks, and they thought it was pretty good. And so they were <laughs> like, "Well, hey, wait a second. Let's get more clicks. So let's do the offensive positions." All right. So where were the Texans at quarterback, though? Do you remember? Thirteen. 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 
in their quarterback situation. See, I could talk about this till the end of time. All right, let's reset that. We'll get to that. Plus, your draft evaluation of a certain NFL team's prowess in a certain position group and a little bit on the schedule. Boy, we have a lot to cover today. Let's just keep it rolling here on Texans All Access. Every night at 6 o'clock, we bring it to you. Texans All Access here on the flagship Sports Radio 610 and on the Texans app. And Tuesday night, 6 o'clock, we'll be at Fuddruckers, a special off-season show. Cecil Shorts is the guest. Fuddruckers, 59 and Greenway, Tuesday night, 6 o'clock. We will see you there. I'll have a milkshake. It's going to be fun. Oh, man, my streak will end. Your streak of? I got a six-day streak of every minute of every show. Oh, I got a streak. I had a streak going. Denver that breaks the streak. Oh, it breaks the streak, man. Uh, That's six straight are days. All to be broken. Yeah, you know, but just that's like okay. uh, I'm sorry. Francesco Molinari, bogey free streak, oh, broken badly. Brutal. I mean, what are you going to do? You hit it in the water. Not good. Did he hit a tree or a pine cone in a tree or something yeah, like that? You know, I, I don't know how that happens to these guys. I don't know how you hit in the water on twelve. I know it's hard. Believe me, yeah. I play golf. I know it's hard, but oh, I would have found it. <laughs> That remember Speeth's meltdown and and by the yeah. way when we're talking about mental strength of athletes, wow! Now it's not like Speeth is awful. I mean, when you're minus right. anything at the Masters, you're playing really well. But it looked like he was going to go on this run that yeah. was going to be unparalleled, maybe even by Tiger, but not so fast. You know, these guys who come out of the gate really fast, Rory, him. It doesn't always work out the way you think. I think he came out a lot better than Rory did. Yeah. But and, and I'm not saying it's over for either one of those guys, but it's just it's fascinating how much better Tiger is than these guys. And, and you know, for a while you're thinking, well, it was just a, a great run of domination and now it's over. Well, maybe it starts up again. Who knows? Maybe maybe it does. But the other thing, too, is, you know, Spieth and Rory sort of – well, Rory kind of opened the door for Spieth. Spieth has sort of opened the door for Brooks Kepka. Now, yeah. Kepka's won three majors. Yeah. So I'm glad Kepka kept Kepka kept winning because yeah, it validated. Sometimes when these guys just flash and win one major and then they go away, like Danny Willett, where are you? Or have you joined the Federal Witness Protection <laughs> Program? Even though you're not an American citizen, he won the Masters like two or three years ago, ruining my Sunday because I wanted you know one of the big of guys to win it. And uh, I, I like the stories though, like that Patrick Cantlay or Cantlay. Cantlay, or yeah. Where I did would, he come from? He, uh, I read about him as he was playing. You know, because yeah. yeah. I went Patrick. As you're typing something into Google, it's like Cantlay because they know that everybody's googling this guy yeah, at this of time. Course. And he been he had been through a lot of stuff medically and in his life, and he was a great amateur, and then he dropped off, and now he's coming. Back. So he was a good story. He would have been a good story, but I. I obviously know what the biggest story was and and the best story was all right we had a lot to get to the wide receiver rankings by mmqb what do you got all right so they did quarterbacks we said that texas came up 13 number one the new england patriots even though the backup quarterback situation isn't that good they doesn't don't care. matter doesn't yeah. matter here's what they say the best quarterback of all time for less money per year than andy dalton Still can't beat it, even if he is 41. Which, by the way, speaking of federal investigations. That's that's wrong. There should be one. There's about a side deal. taking less money than everybody. You know there's a side deal. You know I, there's been a handshake agreement. Look, there's something. When you're done, there's you're, something. You're, you're a patriot for life. Uh, Texans came in 13 on that. Um, they had this. Jeez. This is what they said about Deshaun and company. They said Texans also grabbed quickly on the backup market. While the room doesn't exactly mirror Deshaun Watson's skill set, the hope is that he's running less in 2019 anyways. All right, so then they did running backs. Where do you think we fare with the running backs? Probably middle of the pack. Uh, keep going down. 
bottom third. You're getting there. Bottom five? Yep. Number 28. Jeez. Now, I don't tend to agree with this. So what they did with the running backs, and they did this with the receivers too, is they put how much money was devoted to the running backs and oh. then of the team total. So they've got some in front that I would go, come on, man, really? I, I don't but know But they cost that. less money. So Texas 28. Lamar Miller isn't cheap. He's about to turn 28. Maybe this is an unfair placement for a back who nearly had a 1,000-yard season here. We're evaluating current situations. What would you rather have right now? Texans or some of the others above them, something that may soon need replacing or something brand new. Uh, so 28 was where they put the Texans, running backs. Then they got the wide receivers. Where do you think the wide receivers, the wide receivers where do you think the wide receivers would go? Where do you think they go? I think this should be no lower as a, as a total wide receiver situation mm-hmm. than sixth. Good. But they did even better. Oh, really? Number four. Good. All right. I'm glad Number they four. see it that way. Number one. And, and, yeah. Number one. Cleveland. I got it up right here. Oh. I just I just pulled it up. $36.2 million they have devoted to their wide receivers. And I think that if, there, if anything is going to get them and nab them in the backside a little bit, mm. it's going to be that. Keep the in money. mind, the Texans – Thirty-six point two for Cleveland. The Texans have twenty-one million devoted mm. to their receivers, mm. and get just as much value, especially if Will Fuller's on the field. Now, Will is going to get to a point where he's going to need a new contract here if he can stay healthy. And if he can stay healthy, then obviously you're talking about a much higher number. But I'll tell you said, what I like about Cleveland is if the other two guys are playing well, they also have Antonio Callaway, who can be pretty good. He's as good as number three as you're going to find in the league, if yeah. not the best. Atlanta Falcons number two, which makes sense. Uh, and this goes back. I, this goes back to our discussion on Brady. Julio Jones was asked about a new contract because apparently yeah. he wants a new contract. He said, "I don't need to be the highest paid receiver in the league." Like, really? Okay, All right. <laughs> that's music to yeah. an organization's ear. Number three, I don't know if I agree with this one. Minnesota Vikings. Look, Diggs and Thielen. Yes, I'll give you Diggs and Diggs Thielen. and Thielen. I'll give you Diggs and Thielen. They All play day a long. lot. They're very productive. I'll give you Diggs and Thielen. They've been productive with Cousins and uh, Keenum. But they're number three. Laquan Treadwell hasn't turned into anything. Yeah, that's true. They, have, they haven't gotten anything out of the number three. It's basically a two-man operation, which the Texans being but at it's four. it's a hell of a two-man operation. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't doubt that whatsoever. But if Fuller and QT are healthy, you're taking those three over those two? No. More than like, with health, I take the Texans' crop, if you will. Yeah. Nice to see Vincent Smith make their list, by the way, because yeah. he, they list him as the number four guy. Here's yeah. some of the teams they put the Texans ahead of. The Saints. Now, this is, this is what happens when you hit big on rookie contracts. You know how much money the Saints have devoted to wide receivers? How much? $12.9 million. That's it. Because Ted Ginn is on a cheap veteran deal. Because yeah, Ted Ginn's on a cheap He's veteran on an deal. End of the line. Michael kind of Thomas. Deal. Michael Thomas on a rookie deal. Yeah. Traquan Smith on a rookie deal. And Cameron Thomas was a cheap free agent. Okay. Relatively cheap free All right, agent. Your next team here, number six, the Los Angeles Rams. I think the I think the big you know people talk about Gurley being hurt, Mark. Yeah. And I, that was a big problem because the Rams did like to run the ball and do like to run the ball. I thought a bigger problem for the Rams was they didn't have Cooper Cup in the Super mm. Bowl. Now they made a nice run, and I think they they when they, they had Cup for the game against the Saints, it scored forty five points in the regular season game. But 
Or no, scored 35 in that game. And I think Cup played in that game. I can't remember. Maybe he didn't. But, no, the Rams lost that. Cup didn't play in that game. Had it reversed. But I think they missed Cup badly. I don't think he's at the explosive level that Will is. But this oh, guy very solid. is so very good. Yeah. I mean, he can go deep. He gets well anywhere in the field. To me, he's the most complete receiver they have. That, I thought, was huge $26 last year. Million. So Kansas City next at seven in the MMQB wide receiver ranking list, wide receiver group ranking list. So Tyreek Hill, there's mm. been some noise off yep. the field. Oh, yeah. You want to catch the Chiefs in the first half of the season or second half? Uh, yeah, I want them early. Do I want them early? I kind of want them early. I don't want them that early, though, Johnny. I don't want them. I'll tell you what. Last, I always beg for that tough week one matchup. I don't know anymore because – I mean, the think way about the what... preseason goes now, my opening game is the first time I get 60 minutes with everybody hitting and everybody yes. out there, and now I'm thinking I want somebody, you know, there's nobody soft in the NFL, yeah, but no I gimme. want a softer opening if it's at all possible. Look, once upon a time I thought the Jets here in 09, I thought that was a soft opening. <laughs> not so much. I thought Jacksonville in 17 would be, no, not so much. So you never know how it's going to play out, but... Right. Yeah, going up to New England last year, I was all about, oh, yeah, get them right now. Surprise them. Well, the Texans clearly needed to get some mojo going. Yeah. Maybe not so much mojo, but precision going before they went up to Foxborough for the rematch. Well, I think I think in theory, getting the Patriots up there, yeah, is, it, I don't think there's any, any question you'd like to catch them early in the season if you could. But there were, especially offensively, there were so many inexperienced parts out there. Yeah. I mean, think about it. it. Will was not healthy for that game, so mm-hmm. he can't. He started week two. So you were out there with Vincent Smith, that wide receiver. You're starting an offensive line. Think about that offensive line that started that day. Not one except Nick Martin had ever – well, Julian had started a few games. But other than that, Sunil, Zach, Chantrell, all starting for the first time. Yep. Deshaun hasn't even played a full year in the NFL. I think in theory catching them – Week one would have been fine if you had an offense not explosive like Kansas City's, but experienced like Kansas City's. I think that had it been Deshaun with an offensive line that had been together for four or five years, mm-hmm. that he had had his wide receivers, uh, that he was accustomed to throwing in the half season you know, with Will and DeAndre out there, if you had experience out there, I think that would have paid off. But it felt like there was just too, many, too much inexperience to tackle them in week one. But look how it played out. Both teams end up Eleven and five. Yeah. Both teams end up eleven and five. What was the deciding factor? A week one matchup. When, as Bill O'Brien tells us all the time, you don't know what kind of team you have until Thanksgiving, and it was yep. a week one matchup that ended up changing everything. If I could give you a choice, what's your opening week opponent and where? Well, I I think week. Well, I hope week one is here. And here's my theory on that. There are two college games Thursday, <laughs> no Friday, Saturday. What I think will be week two. So my guess is we're more than likely on the road for that one. Yeah, you're right. And so I you're going to open at home. So I don't think they're going to put us on the road okay. to start again two, two weeks in a row like they did last year. That was a killer. To start with Patriots and the Titans, two former playoff yep. teams. Yep. I mean, that, that was, was tough. tough. So I think we play the opener at home. And at that point, you know who I want? Who? I want Denver. I was just going to say Denver. Give us Denver. A Joe Flacco Get a piece of Flacco building. right away. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would like that. I'd yeah. like Denver right away. Give me Denver. Vic Fangio, coaching debut back here. 
Yeah, that'd be good. That'd take be good. Denver here. Again, there's nothing easy in the NFL, and I'm not saying that would be. Hell, it could backfire on you very easily. But if I have a choice, I think that's the one. Here it goes. Denver at home to start. Mm-hmm. Kansas City week two, Monday night. See, Oh, I like that. You get the extra day, go up there, mm-hmm. and take them on. Just mm-hmm. go ahead and do it. Yep. Mm, I like that. All right, let's go. Let's, Sign that's me it. up for that. Two that's AFC it. West opponents to open up the season. Right off the bat. Just, I don't think they're going to do it. I, I no. promise you this. Good segue. All right, so the schedule is going to come out, I think, this week. I don't know. Last week I was convinced we it was going to be this week. Here's the big delay. And Seth Payne asked me about this. I believe it was on the air on Friday. It was a good question. What, why does it take so long? That's one question. The other question is, why can't they just determine a date well in advance and get you ready for that date, count you down, which I think this league needs to do. For all the great things this league does and the way they hype things, the way they set the appointment for great things to happen, for big things to happen, why can't they do this? The answer is, to me, they can, they just don't. What happens is the schedule, they have subtle targets, and and Seth asked, do they get the schedule to the owners, and then the owners complain about the schedule or they want to tweak for this or that? No, that's not it. It's not in the building yet. It really isn't. What they do is they give it to the networks, and then the networks start fighting about it yeah. or putting in their requests. Like, you know cents. what? We'd rather have this as the Monday night game. Can you slide that one over here and give us that? That's what happens. And it's logical that they would want this because they're paying a lot of money for these games, and I get it. However, there's a saying that was presented to me when I was in college, and I had this huge project, and I said to the professor, I really could have used another week. He said, work fills the time allotted. If I told you, if I gave you another week, you'd still be slammed for that deadline because yeah. this is just how you are. And he was dead right on yeah. me. Yeah, I, I think it's that way for for a lot of people. What do they say? Deadlines spur action. Yep. I mean, it's the same same sort of thing. I look at it this way: there are 32 teams in the league, and obviously there are weeks in which, like I just mentioned, week two. I'm sure that's a week the Texans are like, look, we don't want a Sunday game here with those two college games. Before that, it's just going to be too crazy. There are, there are 32 teams, and my guess is they make a run through this. They make a run through it. And I think about it like this. When I did my mock draft, and hopefully that will be up on – it will be up soon on uh, HoustonTexas.com. If you forget one name, the whole thing's dead. Oh, yeah. Wherever you feel like, oh, oh I forgot this guy. Yeah. The whole thing is dead. Yeah, right. Because it's this whole big domino. domino. Well, what happens if you accidentally – uh, you know, in week three, you have a team playing. Oh my gosh, they were not supposed to be playing at well, home. They, they're supposed they, to be playing in the road. They don't do it like that. I though. know they don't, but <laughs> I would imagine that's pretty sticky. Yeah, that's they, pretty difficult. I think they have some software and they plug everything in, and then they come oh, up with a, you, a basic that a basic lineup, and then they start tweaking it around from there. I'd like to. I'd like to take a crack at coming up with the schedule. I know you would. I would love You'd it. You'd be good at this. I would love it. You'd sit in your office there. I'd come cave. up with some algorithm of what it should yes, be. Yes, you would. Yes, I would love that. The person you that. don't want doing the schedule is me because I'd be like, I forgot about Cleveland. They got to play. <laughs> See? It. See, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Oh, the Browns. <laughs> 
We were oh, supposed to play the Patriots, but I switched out the Cardinals <laughs> and the Patriots. Nobody will notice. They're not going to find out. Know. Oh, my God. Nobody's going to find out. So. All right, so the, uh, then the London trip. I get asked about that all the time. Uh, you'll find out when it comes out. I really don't know what else to say. It'll be soon. How about that? It'll, it has to be before the draft. Well, and here's one thing this week, but you never know. Here's one thing that I'm I'm 99.6% sure on, and that is we will play at Wembley Stadium. That I'm almost yeah. positive yeah. of because that's going to happen. That's become the Jaguars' de facto home mm-hmm. in London is to play at Wembley Stadium. So that's should we get JP Frank Shatter. on the air to talk about that when the date comes out? Yeah, we can talk about it. I want to I want to get and maybe Frank's not even the right guy. Maybe JP Shadrick. I, I think maybe JP. Somebody's been there a lot mm-hmm. and can tell us. And the fans, the traveling Texans, who want to know. I got people. Like I said, I got friends who are all over me for this date because they want to book flights and everything. They all want to go over. Yeah. And this is a uh, you know you hate to say once in a lifetime, but it's one of those bucket lists. You don't know when you're going go go to go back and watch your team play in London. Enjoy London. There's so much to do there. Never been there. They can go to Westeros. They can't. No, that's actually a fictional place. It's not over there, folks. Oh, you didn't. (laughs) I just did. You did. I just did. All right, we don't have enough time to do justice to your take on how the Patriots draft wide receivers not so well. So we'll go over that at our next show together, which I think is going to be Wednesday, because tomorrow we are at Fuddruckers. Now, the way out here, the Texans have come to terms with three players who have signed their qualifying offers. That would be Brandon Dunn, who started a bunch of games last year at Nose Tackles. Great to have DJ Dunny back in the fold officially brennan scarlet outside linebacker you know he made a bunch of noise in the 2016 preseason he's turned into a good player for this team so it'll be great to have him in the fold and kaimi fairbairn who has never missed a big kick for the texans now some of you have said he's never kicked like a 50 yarder to win a game but he's kicked some game winners cowboys overtime colts overtime i mean that's back-to-back weeks right there he's made some big ones he hasn't made a big, long, 52, 50-plus-yard field goal to win a game, but I'm okay with that. He just hasn't been in that situation because he's never missed a big kick to win a game, and I think that's a stat or notable point when you're evaluating a place kicker. All right, tomorrow, Ruckers. That's Tuesday night, 6 o'clock, with Cecil Shorts, Greenway location. We're going to see you out there. We're giving away draft party tickets there while supplies last. I got a bunch of them. But it's not an endless supply. So if you are in need of draft party tickets, I'm going to have them for you at Fuddruckers Greenway Tuesday night, 6 to 7 o'clock. I want to thank everyone who worked on the show tonight. Have a great night, everybody, and go Texans!